Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse podcast, the official podcast of filmpulse.net. This is episode number 137. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? Oh man, I am doing so well. We have a wonderful show lined up for you this week. Lots to talk about. We're going to be going over David Fincher's Gone Girl in a review. We're also going to be reviewing Alexander Aja's latest Horns, which is available on video on demand. And the indie thriller Backcountry, which screened at this year's TIFF. It's also the start of a new month, so we'll be adding another entry into our guilty pleasures list. Oh my goodness, I... what? Man. Yeah, lots. Lots That's, going on here. Is it too much, maybe? Mm, too much? No, I don't think so. Alright. I don't think it's ever too much. Okay. Of course, right. we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases... Before we get into what we've been watching, uh, a couple trailers that I wanted to talk about. Uh, what, the, that, 50, that Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh God! Right? Did you see that? <laughs> did you see that before Gone Girl? Yeah, I forgot that they were making that into a movie. I'll tell you the the only reason. Oh boy! The only reason that I like that that movie exists is for John Oliver to work it into almost every segment he does on his show. With the hashtag not my Christian, because <laughs> he, he doesn't want that guy to play Christian, <laughs> and it always pops up on the bottom of the screen. Hashtag not my Christian. Oh, fantastic! Um, th- so the Inherent Vice trailer came out this week. Oh my! Paul God. Thomas Anderson's latest. What are you thinking on this? Oh boy! How Oof. that trailer? Oof. Oh my God! Wow! I'm I'm pretty damn excited. Gotta say. I'm extremely excited for that movie. Cannot wait. I also saw the latest trailer for uh, Interstellar when I saw Gone Girl. Yawn. I am really excited about that one, too. I am not excited at all for that movie. You're crazy. I do, I'm just not excited. I don't know. Everything that I've seen about it, just I don't care. A uh, new teaser for Pixar's Inside Out came out. Now, that's one that I'm actually not excited for. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm sure it'll be good, but just I'm not that into the concept where it's a girl who her emotions are represented with anthropomorphic creatures. Oh, spirit animals? Mm, sort kind of. of. They're not really like animals. They're just kind of like little, little mood, creatures. Mood creatures? Yeah. Like a mood ring, but with creatures. Bill Hader does a voice. Amy Poehler Louis Black is anger. <laughs> perfect, uh, perfect casting there. Correct. I'd also say the the trailer for The Mule came out this week, and that's a that's an, an indie. But I implore you to check that out if you guys haven't seen that, because it was one of my favorites of South by this year. It's uh, directed by Angus Sampson. Check that yeah, out. It's been, a really good yeah, trailer. You've been you've been all about that one for a while. Yeah, yeah, I've been kind of pushing that one. Because I really enjoyed it. It's very, it's a dark crime drama, but it has Angus Sampson and Lee Wannell. Lee Wannell's the co-director and writer of the Saw movies, or the first maybe two Saw movies or something. And he does he does a lot of really great horror movies, and he stars in it also. So check that okay. out, The Mule. I don't think it has a U.S. release date yet, but it does have distribution. So Hopefully we'll be seeing that soon. Some point in time we should. Yeah. 
All right, let's go ahead and hop into some what we've been watching. Kevin, why don't you start off this week? Oh my goodness, I have so many. I have so many. I watched another TIFF movie. It's a Brazilian movie called Abra. It's black and white. Um, and I must say, the black and white cinematography in this thing is some of the best I've seen in a long time. I mean, it is fantastic. And it's really, honestly, the only reason to see this movie. There's not mm. much else going on. It's a what you would call a no-burn. Mm. Just sort of drifting along. There's a lot of architectural metaphors. But then again, I you know, maybe I'm missing something cuz I have noticed that the uh like a lot of these Brazilian movies that have come out recently all take place with like the real estate boom and development boom going on mm-hmm. in Sao Paulo. So I you know, I'm not on top of that. I don't know what's going on there. So maybe I'm missing some things, but Abra did not really um, enlighten me, let's say. Didn't really dig deep. I mean, it's almost no dialogue to this movie. It's just about a young architect who's working on his first big project. And while they're digging up the foundation, they find, you know, I want to say like 10 skeletons. Mm. And this is one of his grandfather's land. So he starts to question what's going on here. And, you know, they're telling him that it's nothing and just let it go. So that's what he decides to do. And he keeps going on with the project. And then some things happen. Not very interesting things, but things do happen. (laughs) And then they they tie it into, like, he's expecting his first child as well. His wife is pregnant. Uh, She's English, by the way. And while she's at his parents' house waiting for him to come join them. He has a three-way with some uh, some girls from the nightclub, and one of them jumps on his back, and now he has back problems. And then they tie that in with the architectural metaphors because his mm. base, his yeah. foundation. His foundation, yeah, I get it. Yeah, the old lumbar, lumbar metaphors. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh man, you are selling me on this lumbar metaphors, architectural metaphors. Wow. I mean, but honestly, the the black and white cinematography is outstanding. I it's like a very very light recommend just based on the beauty of the black and white photography that's in here. Very light recommend, but you must know going into it that it is slow and there is not much going on. Okay. It's all kind of surface level. Now, I take it you saw this on, on Festival Scope? Correct. Because I, I, saw, I saw that listed there. I was actually looking at that one. Yeah. So, so uh, I, don't, I don't know if this is something that's going to come to the U.S. Honestly, I don't think there's really... doesn't sound know, like there's an, much an audience market. for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, keep a lookout for that if it, if it does make its way over here. Usually, when movies play bigger festivals like that, they at least get a dvd release eventually something we'll see i started the week off with 1989's leviathan oh there's so many there are so many there was the 89 one there was the one from what last year the gopro one and then there's a new Mm -hmm. one that so wait this is the 19 what 89 Oh, this is the Peter Weller one. Yes, yes. Okay. This is with Peter Weller and Daniel Stern, Ernie Hudson, Meg Foster. The father uh, of Beyond <clears throat> the Black Rainbow. Yes, yes. And I got to say, I liked this movie just because I'm a fan of these kinds of movies. It was very reminiscent of 
Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. It was very reminiscent of Alien. A lot of a, a lot of similarities. I would even go as far to say it pretty much ripped off those movies. There was a chest bursting scene. There was Ooh. the the they're in an underwater. Uh, they're in like an underwater uh, mining base. Okay. And they're out exploring and they find a sunken Soviet ship. And as it turns out, this, this Soviet ship had some sort of virus on it that infects them. So it's very much like the thing and it causes genetic mutations in them. Chest bursting and chest bursting. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty good. It's it's entertaining. Some of the special effects are decent. It's certainly not on the same level as the thing, though, or even the '79 Alien. Um, but if you like these kind of creature features that have a sci-fi element to them, check it out. It does have a lot of gross-out, gory stuff in it, and it's also got Ernie Hudson. And it's got Ernie Hudson, and he's he's a badass, and it's funny. This is kind of a spoiler, but throughout the whole movie, I was like, man, Ernie Ernie Hudson's going to die. I don't want him to die. And you think that he makes it. You, you're you at the end of the movie, and you think... <laughs> they saved him for last. Yeah, I was like, wow. <laughs> he made it. That really surprises me that he made it. And then right at the very end, the twist mm. happens, and oh. he perishes. Oh, no. Either way, it's a pretty fun movie. Very, I mean, you have your crew. It's just underwater instead of in space. Yeah. But it's still, I still recommend it because it is very fun. Okay. Leviathan, check it out. It got a Blu-ray release, so you can see it in nice, crisp, high definition. So check check that out. It's a good transfer. Oh, boy. Uh, I I gave Jacques Tati another, another shot. I haven't liked him so far yet, but I tried Playtime from 1967. This is interesting. Gave him another shot, man. I was listening to another podcast this week, and two of the people on that podcast saw this movie. Oh my god, everyone's just seeing Playtime. Did did this just come out? No, it didn't, did it? No. It's been out for a while. I don't think so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe? Maybe something's going on. I know they were doing a a Criterion Blu-ray um Tati box set. Oh, okay. Which is coming soon, I think. At some point in time. October 28th, that's coming out. Okay. So that's kind of odd. Apparently, everybody's just watching Playtime. Playing it up. Everyone's giving Tati another shot. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, this is sort of, it's just six sequences, really, is what this movie's made up with. And it. The thing that the biggest takeaway from this is that he built this huge elaborate set for this movie. And I mean huge elaborate set that put him in debt for like a decade plus. Just sort of ruined him, really. Um, So right off the bat, the sets are unbelievable. It's amazing. It's a very modern, uh, you know, all glass buildings. And they have some fun with that. No one knows how the fuck glass works. They're just running into it, and they're just moving from one building to the other because all the buildings look the same. And I have to say, for like the first four sequences of this movie, I hated it, just like I've hated all other Tati movies, 
except that I was still hooked a little bit because the sets were impressive and there were some interesting camera angles going on. But what I've really found out is his character that he plays, the Mr. Hula, this guy, I can't stand his fucking character. He's so just, there's nothing to him. All he is in is an exaggerated gait, walking about, looking around, and just being befuddled constantly. He is befuddled by chairs in this movie constantly throughout. There's this black modern chair that he can't fucking figure out, and he just pokes and prods him every single time he sees him. And apparently that's supposed to be funny. Like the first time it made me like, maybe like a little chuckle inside, quiet, no one heard it. Hmm. But then he does it again, and then again, and then again, and you're just like, I fucking get it. Move on to something else, please. It's like it's like watching a, a befuddled, out-of-touch grandpa make a movie. Hmm. Okay, so I'm just, I'm hating this thing. And then it gets to the Royal Garden sequence where he goes to this restaurant that has just opened. It's not completely finished yet, and everything just comes alive. Finally, the movie gets some injection into it with actual, like, upbeat action. Everything's choreographed perfectly. There's just sight gags everywhere. And his character is kind of pushed over to the periphery. You don't even see him, really. He only pops up occasionally, but he doesn't really do anything. And he stopped fucking with the chairs. And everything is fantastic in that small section. And then they end it nicely with this, like, circus-type atmosphere where all the cars are leaving. And they get sort of stuck in a roundabout, and it's like a carousel and all this. And it's fantastic. It's just unfortunate that you have to sit through the first half of the movie, which is just tiresome and tedious like all of his other movies. Hmm. And it, the the odd thing is, is, in this movie, he he put that character off to the periphery on purpose. He didn't really want to do it anymore because I think he understood that it's not funny. But it was beloved. So this movie didn't do as well because people are upset that his character wasn't in the movie as much. But I loved it for that because I hate that character so much. Hmm. So... I finally got the titi that I was expecting. Like the Royal Garden sequence, that's what I thought I was getting into when I started watching his movies. And I was sorely let down until playtime. Finally happened. How about that? So this is available on Criterion. So if you have Hulu Plus, I'm assuming you can see it on there. It's not on Hulu Plus. Oh, no. Okay. No. Never mind then. Yeah. Never mind. Seek it out on... DVD, I guess. There you go. So, I started a new project this Halloween. I decided to watch the entire Children of the Corn series. Well, that's... Okay. You do some weird things. I do that often, at least (laughs) two times a year. (laughs) And you never learn. I'll take a a horror series and... Well, I feel like if, if I claim to know a lot about this genre, I need to... I got you. See as much as I can and be familiar with the different long running series because Children of the Corn, that's one of the longer ones. There's like eight of them in that series. So I I felt like there was kind of a hole there. This is more research. This is more research than actual enjoyment almost. Eh, Sort of. I mean, if anything, it's just to build my my horror cred, you know? You don't want to get that horror card taken away. I know. I really want to avoid that. I thought that I saw the first one. However, on watching it, I really didn't remember anything. In fact, I don't really... I didn't remember anything about this series at all. 
Um, these are the only other movies that I saw this week, so I'm just going to lump them all together. If oh, I watched... Putting, what? Just putting them all together, huh? Yeah, I watched... Did the, you watch all eight? We're going to discuss all eight? <laughs> no. Oh. No, I didn't have time to watch okay. all eight. I did watch the first three, and I was I started the fourth one today, so I'll probably touch on that next week. So the first one came out in 1984. It's based on a Stephen King book, and it's of the three that I've seen so far, it is the scariest. It contains the most creepy imagery, and it's not just the kids that are creepy. There's a lot of other stuff. You could. It seemed like the the director Fritz Kirsch was kind of going for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe. Like there's a lot of weird paintings and structures made out of corn husks and stuff like that so it's a pretty creepy movie uh it's the series starts off with a uh, a couple traveling cross country and they end up in this town mm-hmm. that's filled with religious fanatics it's sort of like an amish town it's kind of what it seems to be based off of uh but for? Like they're closed out from the outside world. They just they they all keep to themselves. But what happens at the beginning of the movie is the children of the town rise up and end up murdering all the adults in the town. Wow. And they end up worshiping this demon thing that's in the corn. And I kind of thought that the name Children of the Corn, I thought that it really wasn't all about corn. But it really is <laughs> All about corn. <laughs> it's very corn centric. Yeah, like that's what I, you're saying, and which you wouldn't think from the title, but like I, I kind of see how you could be confused. No, I kind of thought that the premise was it was these demonic kids that it came from the corn, a cornfield or something like that. I didn't know that the it, like worshipped corn. The, yeah, the corn itself played such a large it, role in these movies. Is it like demon corn? It's yeah, basically nice. demon corn. The corn nice. actually kills people. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. it kills people in this movie. Like, like if you're by an adult, like poisoning or by like both. It poisons people. It actually like wraps its leaves around people and takes its roots and stabs its roots into people. It's sort of like Evil Dead, you know, when the like mm-hmm. the tree. Yeah, it's sort of like that. Okay. The corn comes alive and kills that sounds, people. That sounds really silly. So that's why when I say I'm, I, I was surprised that it was really all about the corn. That's why I say that because I thought it was you, just about you, demonic you, little kids. You don't remember that? The first no, time I don't remember the corn murders. <laughs> I don't remember all the corn murdering. Wow. And it, it's amazing <clears throat> because I watched these yeah. first three pretty much rapid fire. And Just one right after the other. It's amazing how many times they say corn in these movies because it's like every other word. It's just corn or cornfield. It's pretty ridiculous. I would like a count for the next the next movies that you had to do. What do you got to do, like four through eight? Yeah. I would like a count and then an Excel spreadsheet charting the use of corn and or cornfield through the eight movies. Can you do that? Um, like some statistics mm, can we get some statistics on the word corn eh, probably not gonna take the time to do that probably not gonna take the time so the first one was okay it was 
slightly creepy. The second one was interesting because it takes place very shortly after the events of the first film and all the surviving kids get transported to the next town over and put in in foster families and they just go at it again and they start killing everybody in that town. What did they do anything with the corn? They worship the corn. No, I mean like when they took the kids and moved them a town over, but like did they do anything with the corn? Well, a lot what of the there? corn, a lot of the corn was burned because at the end of the movie, at the end of the first one, the way that they get rid of the demon cloud cuz that's what it looks like. It looks like an animated cartoon cloud that comes after them. It's like red and shimmering. It's fucking ridiculous when you see it. The special effects work in the first two are, I mean, at the end especially, it's atrocious because they use that compositing where they animate over top of what's on screen. And it just, it looks so bad. I mean, even for when these movies came out, the second one came out in like 92. So they had no excuse by that point. Wow. The third one got a little bit better with the special effects, although it was still pretty ridiculous. There was a scene in the third one where a kid gets his head ripped off and... By corn? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, of course, by the corn. And so it rips his head off and his his spinal column is still attached, but it's like eight feet long. (laughs) It looks so (laughs) silly. I was looking at it, I was like, that is the longest spinal cord I've ever seen in my he, life. He had, he might have had that rare disease where his spinal column goes down into his legs. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> it's it's a side effect from the demon corn. There's also a great scene in the third one involving quicksand. The the, the corn the corn demon is attacking people and... <laughs> Why is there quicksand around well, corn? Well, the best part is, so the third... The third Children of the Corn movie is called Urban... Oh, what is it called? Urban Harvest or something? Yeah, okay. Urban Harvest. And it so takes wait, place... It takes place in Chicago. <laughs> wait a second. So we got urban urban farming with corn. Yeah. And there's quicksand around. Yes. All in yes. Chicago. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's... I mean, that's tough to swallow, but... Yep. <laughs> It also has the first on-screen performance by Charlize Theron. Wow. The third one? Yeah, the third one. Is she the one with the freakish spinal column? No. no. Uh, no that's some other kid that's, that has that. Is she, is she the one that gets stuck in quicksand? She's just a random girl. Uh, she may be one of them. I don't, I don't remember. Unbelievable. Uh, so none of them are particularly good. I am it's, actually... Not a very big fan of this series at all. So you and, just can't wait to get through four through eight. Well, so far, I'm about half an hour into part four, and it's it's pretty f- fun. I mean, that's the thing. These movies aren't good, yeah. but they are entertaining. Okay. For, at least you got that. For better or for worse, they are entertaining. The first one, not a particularly good movie, but it is entertaining, and it does contain some genuinely spooky moments. The second one is a little bit more lighthearted. It's a little bit sillier. They There's more jokes and things in that one. The third one goes a little bit more overboard and is a little bit more self-aware of just how kind of silly it is. Yeah. Nothing in, the, in these movies makes any sense. It's like they have full license to just do whatever they want. Like the, the lore behind these movies 
none of it makes a bit of sense at all. Fantastic. It's it's like these kids are worshiping this demon, but they're like these crazy religious zealots and they they always have one leader. Like there's always one kid that's their leader and he sort yeah. of brainwashes the other kids to follow him. Yeah. Like that's what happened in part 3. Two two kids from this town get sent to Chicago to live with foster parents and the one kid is I guess possessed by this demon and he uh, starts recruiting kids in their school. Okay. Okay. Now I got to ask, and I don't know if you have the answer to this, but what, what exactly does the corn want? It's, it has to do with harvesting like life and youth and harvesting. And it demands sacrifices, human sacrifices to be made during the harvest moon and Mm -hmm. it's all about youth and if you're in the first one the way that it worked is if you turned 19 you sacrificed yourself to the uh corn and yeah to the corn because if you're 19 you're too old okay so 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 you turn 19 you sacrifice yourself to the corn it eats you it sort of transports you into this like hell world thing that they showed in the in the second one that looks utterly ridiculous. Oh there, my goodness. There was some really really early CG work in the second one and it looked oh my god, it, it looked like Lawnmower Man. That's what it looked like. Wow. It was incredibly stupid. <laughs> but fun. Okay. Yeah, you know, but enjoyable. The sure. fourth I'm pretty excited to to Finish the fourth one. It stars uh, <laughs> Naomi Watts. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, she's the star this, of it. This shit sounds insane. They're pretty crazy movies. If you want to check these out, they are all on Netflix except the first one. I mean, uh-huh. I'm sorry, the second one. So part one, three, four, five, six, seven, and eight are all on Netflix. But for part two, <laughs> you'll have to rent that one. <laughs> Oh man, I don't understand why they do that. Yeah, it is it. It was really shitty. Cause that's the only one that they actually have DVDs left of, probably. I don't know. Maybe that one was under a different distributor. <laughs> probably. Oh, I'm sure. Ur- I think Urban Harvest is my favorite. Do you, you notice, like, with these old horror movie series, there's always one that takes place in an urban environment, Leprechaun in the Hood, and. <laughs> The Candyman movies were urban. And what was the other one? Oh, Jason Takes Manhattan, set in an urban environment. You have to do it, man. Predator I mean, 2. What else are you going to do? You, you have eight movies. One of them's got to take place in Chicago. There's also a reboot, and I believe a sequel to the reboot, or maybe it was a second reboot or something. Because I think one came out in 2009, and I think another one came out in 2011. Wow. Normally when I do these series, I don't bother with the the remakes or the reboots. I usually just stick with the original ones. If I can even make it through. Like with the Puppet Master one, because that was the last one I did, I didn't even make it through all of them. I couldn't, uh. I couldn't do it. They got too terrible. Uh. I, I think the quality of these will be will remain better i never got through all the hellraiser movies either because they started getting absolutely terrible i don't want to be that guy but i think your i think your horror card should be under review no i'm just you know just pointing out 
All right. Well, I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens after this Halloween. I'm hoping to make up for it. Okay. All right. This might not even be the only series that I watch. I might oh. even check out something else. Oh man. I don't know what I. Th- I can't think of. I think the Omen is another one that there are a lot of those that I haven't seen. That's probably a good one. I think that is probably the only other series that I haven't seen all of them. Like I did Phantasm and you know, the big slasher movies. I did all those. I think I did Wishmaster as well. I'm gonna have to try and find one for you. Okay. With my extensive horror knowledge. With your your encyclopedic knowledge of horror movies. Oh yeah. You know it. I know absolutely nothing about horror. Uh, you probably know more than the average person. Slightly, probably. Maybe. No, probably not. Uh, all right, moving on. Complete opposite of horror. Experimental, autobiographical documentaries. <laughs> talking, of, <laughs> talking of which, Sink or Swim from 1990. Sue Friedrich, which I wrote a 10 out of 10 for, so I'm not going to really talk about this one too much. But just to say that it's short, 48 minutes, and but in black and white. And what she does is she sort of takes uh, footage of people without their knowledge and then tells her story using their footage and this and that. And, I mean, this movie's fantastic. blew me away. In fact, that I watched it twice in one week, wrote a 10 out of 10 for it. Just, this was unbelievable. This is just, to me, this is really ballsy filmmaking to take. She takes her sort of rocky relationship with her father from early childhood to present day through a series of 26 short stories all and she counts back you know like the first one's is letter z and then it goes back from there the whole way and it's just it's quite remarkable hmm. just it blew me away have just you to, you know have, what i mean just to lay yourself bare like that for everyone to see have you seen it. uh stories we tell the sarah Pauli documentary no i have not is that kind of the same it's Similar. I mean, it structurally it sounds different, but that's a a movie that very very much lays it all out there. I mean, it, it focuses on her relationship with her family, and she has her father actually narrate the movie. Oh, okay. It's really interesting. I think you'll like it. For this one, she has uh, a young girl do the narration. Well, it's just mostly her reading the short stories for each one. For each segment. Yeah, and with with uh, the Sarah Polly documentary, it's not... I don't think, if I remember correctly, I don't think that it's actual stuff that she wrote for her father to read. I think that it's actually things that he wrote, like a journal that he kept oh, okay. or something like that. Hmm. Or maybe he, he wrote a book or something. can't remember. I might have to check that out. I think you should definitely check it out. I, I loved that movie. It was... Pretty, pretty great. Well, it looks like I'm checking it out then. Yeah, and I'll but check out Sink or Swim. You you should. It's on. Uh, I saw this on Fandor. I think you can actually watch this on YouTube. I think it's up on YouTube. Like I said, 48 minute documentary, experimental documentary type deal. It's quite good. Cool. Quite good. Check it out. Like I said, Sink or Swim was a 10 out of 10, and then I followed it up with another 10 out of 10, and that's Princess Mononoke. Finally saw this bad boy, and holy shit. Okay. Have you seen this one yet? I think I saw it a long time ago, but I, I don't remember anything, so I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that, yeah, because you would definitely remember this. Yeah. You saw. Now, I've always thought of Spirited Away as 
the best animated film that I've ever seen. And I'm not sure if that's true anymore because I saw this one. And it's, it's like I keep going back and forth on which one's better. But I like for right now, I think Princess is better by like a very, very slim margin. Probably on the strength of demon worms because there's a lot of demon worms in this movie and they are disgusting. <clears throat> but there's just there's so much imagination as always. And there's so much adventure. And quite honestly, it kind of caught me off guard, like how violent this movie is. Like there's limbs being torn off, people being decapitated. There's a lot of blood. I mean, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty grim. And just the whole dynamic of what's going on in this movie, like the, the forest gods are at war with the ironworks. And then you have your... Your hero that has his cursed forearm that's trying to bring peace between the two of them. I mean, it's just there's so much going on in this movie. And obviously, the all the artwork in it is absolutely fantastic. All those little nuances that he always puts in. And I just didn't want this movie to end. I just wanted to keep watching it. And I wanted to go on forever. But unfortunately, it stopped. That's my only gripe about this movie is that it ended. Well, I'm definitely going to have to give this uh, give this a look. This is one of these that I keep meaning to rewatch it. You know, like pretty much anything Miyazaki does, I'm into. But yeah, I mean, this of- one, oh man, there's just so much going on, so much, and it's all so beautiful. I really have to be in the right mindset to watch anime, though. Uh, yeah, maybe. Me, not so much. I just, I have to be in the mood. Sometimes I get these little kicks where I'll watch, I'll like watch a movie and then I'll pick up uh, like an anime series that I've never seen before and watch it. Hmm. I do want to see The Wind Rises though. I do want to see that one. It's it's interesting because when that one, when I first saw that one, I was like, man, it looks all right. You know, but as, as uh, time has gone on, I'm, I'm more excited to check that one out it sort of grows on you how badly you want to see it yeah yeah uh a couple of other ones here try and go through real quick 1982's white dog by samuel fuller oh watch this one sam fuller huh a little sam fuller action okay and um white dog very polarizing film white dog um probably because it's not good is what i want to is that well, that's the, why it's polarizing. Some people that, think it's a classic, and some people hate it. Yeah, it is not a good movie. This is not good. I mean, it's just, it's kind of laughable. Um, the the white dog that's been trained to kill black people. And, I, I you know, I want to give them some credit for tackling racism, like, head on. But at the same time, they don't really do anything with it. Mm. And, you know, and it's just sort of like a series of a of images of a dog attacking black people and they try and break the dog and retrain it, reprogram this white dog. And that's it. I mean, there's not really much discussion on racism and I can see what they're trying to go for, you know, cause it's pretty obvious that racism is taught. So can you, you know, reprogram someone that you've taught to be racist, but it's just the execution. is really poor. I, there's nothing going on. Uh, visually, it's just a shit ton of slow motion with all the dog attacks, and the acting's 
the acting's kind of rough, really. Let's be honest. The acting's really rough. I mean, this is like a B movie. Well, yeah, it is. Sam Fuller was yeah. a B movie director, so yeah, it's not a good B movie. Because at least with B movies, they're kind of funny, usually enter- entertaining. This is this seems like it was a B movie that was trying to go for like some serious subject matter and just failed. Hmm. I I do I don't like this one. It's just to me, it's just not a good movie. Sorry. And then I watched, uh, which quite possibly could be my first Osploitation movie. Oh yeah. Long week, long weekend. Oh well, you know what's funny? I was actually going to talk about Long Weekend when we talk about Backcountry. Oh, okay. All because right. uh, the, I, f- I find there to be a lot of similarities between Long Weekend. And it's funny because I was going to suggest, because I know that you were a fan of Backcountry, and I was going to suggest that you check out Long Weekend. Yeah, I don't know what drew me to watching Long Weekend, but I did. It's on Fandor. I was looking for like an old school horror or, you know, thriller type deal. Ended up settling on Long Weekend. And I figured that you've probably seen this before. I th- might even remember talking about this one before. But, uh, again, I, this is not a good movie. There's, just, there's not much going on. I think Long Weekend's great. <laughs> I love I, it. Just like, I don't... I, it's so ridiculous. I love, the, I love the concept. These two pieces of shit are trashing, the, trashing Mother Nature, and Mother Nature trashes them. Uh, it's just... I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just I didn't. I wasn't feeling this one. Like, yeah, they're really they're really shitty people. But the way Mother Nature gets back at them just it's kind of ridiculous. Ridiculously like, funny, you mean? I maybe I don't know. What's what's up with the sea cow <laughs> slithering around? What's up with the slithering dugong? I don't know. What's I don't. I did like the uh, the sound design on this one. With all the animal noises and everything, it mm-hmm. really ratcheted up a notch tension-wise. But it just never really paid off. And then things got a little bit creepy when they went down to the other side of the beach. I don't know if you remember that. A little bit. <clears throat> that got interesting. I was like, "Oh shit, what's going on here?" And then it just like, all kind of fell apart. I just I wasn't I wasn't into it. I don't know. I like I like Long Weekend. And they did actually remake that movie too in two thousand eight. They really? came out with a, a remake. Yeah, it's very, very similar. I didn't even... It was funny because I don't remember what the context was, how I, I got a copy of this. I think we got like a review copy or something, and I didn't know anything about it. And I put it on, and I start watching it, and I was like, oh, okay. I've seen this movie before, just from 1978. <laughs> the, just... new, the new one stars uh, Jim Caviezel. Oh, okay. I know for me I just I, I don't know if I couldn't get into how fucking stupid they are. Oh, they're they're completely they're, they're like the like to the point where I don't think that they could exist in the world. They're just too stupid. I don't know. In the new one, in the remake, they're not as dumb and they're not as big of uh dick bags in the new one. Hmm. But uh, they're, they're, it's still pretty much all the same stuff happens. <laughs> they're huge dick bags in this one. Yeah, biggest dick bags ever. Birds, I'm a big fan of a lot of, of, a lot of bird I'm, attacks. Oh, Apparently yeah. in Australia, birds just attack you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I'm a big fan of exploitation. You'll have to check out Razorback or uh, what's my uh, 
Damn Wake it. and Fright. Oh well, yeah, definitely. As soon as, as, soon as definitely I was done, Wake and Fright. Yeah, when I was done Long Weekend, because that's those were the two that I was actually going back forth on, and I ended up going with Long Weekend. And as soon as I was done, I was like, damn, I should have watched Wake and Fright. Wake and Fright's different though, because it they make it out to be a, a horror movie of some sort, but it's really not. I mean, if anything, it's a psychological thriller. There's really no horror aspects to it at all. I mean, there yeah. are, but I mean, there's you, not there's not that much horror in Long Weekend. No, not really, not really. Razorback, there is. There's a lot of straight up horror, but again, with Razorback, it's so low budget that they can't really afford. It's about a boar, a giant boar, nice that, that <laughs> roams the outback and kills people. But they had no money, so they uh-huh. barely ever show the boar, which actually works out in its favor is the boar ever covered in demon worms uh no not, not not to my knowledge not okay to my they knowledge. are they are in princess mononoke so jump okay. on that yeah definitely well do you want to take this as an opportunity to segue into backcountry let's segue straight into i didn't even really realize that honestly i'm glad you pointed that out there are some similarities there. yeah i think there's a lot of similarities yeah so, Backcountry, this is written and directed by Adam McDonald. The stars uh, Missy Peregrim, Eric Balfour. Balfour, and Nicholas Campbell. This, I believe, premiered at TIFF. Oh, Jeff Roop. Jeff Roop is the, the main guy, not Nicholas Campbell. Oh, He's sorry. the ranger. Oh, Jeff yeah, sorry. Alex. Yeah. I was just going through the IMDb list, and again, they're out of order, so apologies. So, this premiered at TIFF, I believe, and the synopsis says, An urban couple go camping in the woods and find themselves lost in the territory of a predatory black bear. I feel like that's kind of giving away something with this movie. Because I I didn't know Mm -hmm. that. I didn't know anything about it going into it. You told me, you were like, hey, check this out. Didn't read a synopsis. Well, that's why I didn't say anything to you. Because that's how I wanted to it, too. This was a movie that my wife saw when she was like going through movies that she wanted to see that were playing at TIFF, she mm-hmm. was this was one of them. And then so I was like, oh yeah, I'll watch it with you. I had no idea what was going on. I just know it's a couple good camping. That's it. That's all I knew. I'm kind of surprised, first of all, that not only that your wife picked this out to watch, but also that you liked it enough to recommend it to me. Because, I thought that this was right up your alley. Well, it is. It is right up my alley, but it that didn't seem like it's right up your alley. I was like, hmm. But, I mean, I can definitely see why you would end up liking this movie. Yeah, I just thought it was really well made. The... I, I don't... I don't you want to get into it. I know, I know. I don't want to talk about this movie at all. Because it sort of purposely deceives you at the beginning. You think it's going to go one way, and it goes a complete opposite way. Mm-hmm. And yes. I like that a lot. Because it's... I mean, they set up, it's basically a red herring that they set up, and it's the biggest red herring, the longest red herring I think I've ever seen in a movie, mm-hmm. where you, you think that this is what this movie's going to be, and it completely flips the script. And I've seen tons of movies like this before, t- yeah. tons, but it's rare that they look this good. Uh, one thing that I loved was the camera work in this movie. It was thought, awesome. Yeah, the camera work... And I even got past like the lens flare and shooting. Oh, see, I didn't even know. I didn't notice the lens flare. I, at I all. mean, I got through that because it's understandable. You're out in the woods. 
it's it's gonna it might have been up. actually natural lens flare <laughs> yeah it, it's gonna pop up you know it's not that big of a deal but i mean this one just kept me tense oh yeah the entire they, time they really pull the camera in close and the way that they kind of systematically do it with the the close-up shots it's like it's it feels so deliberate when they do it the there's one scene that stands out w- w- involving her she gets injured and uh something happens and the camera does this kind of like it pulls in real fast into her face and i don't know if you remember that she's by the waterfall mm-hmm. yes yeah. and it just the way that they do that it's so effective they use gopros in this too but that was that was the only thing that i had like a knock against it for me it's the only thing that i was like I don't know if that really needed to be. Oh, I like it. I liked like it when because, they jumped into the lake yeah. and stuff. It's I liked like, it. I liked it because it was very short. I mean, it's like five frames that you yeah. see. You know, it's like a quick cut. And I thought that it added to the movie. I liked it. Yeah. yeah. See, to me, it was they were so short that I was thinking, why are they even there? I thought it was cool. the The one that went into the water, I could have done without that but there was another one i i'm trying to remember i think that it was a shot you know i can't i can't remember it was like towards the beginning when shit started hitting the fan and it was another really quick like cut to a gopro and it looked really cool Hmm. but uh either way because we read the synopsis you know that there's a bear in this there's a bear and the way they handle the bear (laughs) is fantastic the first the the first thing I said was, I can't believe that's a real bear. I'm pretty sure that's a real bear. And the whole time I was watching it, I was like, how did they get the bear to do that? This looks amazing. <laughs> they sacrificed. And I mean, I know, I, I know that there had to be some uh, some prosthetic work yeah, going on, I mean, some puppetry you, you, going on. But Yeah, there's there's one sequence in particular that you can you can kind of tell. Oh, well, it has do, to be. It, yeah. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're well, being, I mean just, just in the sense of you know to just notice the bear when they're doing it like the bear doesn't really yeah but they use much. but they do switch it up a little bit that it it doesn't look terrible right that was my main thing going into this movie i was like well how are they gonna pull this off yeah without they, it looking silly they use the old you know fast cuts and and things like that to mask it so that you can barely see but it they're still they still show enough that it it it's effective to say the least Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was like just a gut punch. Yeah, beyond belief. There's a there was one scene that really got me at the beginning of that sequence, and I'm not going to give anything away. This isn't giving anything huge away, but there's a scene where it this the sequence is happening, and there's all these quick cuts. You know, it's like boom, 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 and there's just a quick shot of her putting her hand on the on the ground. And you just see blood coming down through her shirt, and just that quick moment, I was just like, "Holy shit! This is yeah, this is it's... going. This is bad. This is really bad." But the way that they just kind of showed the blood coming down through her shirt, you knew that this was really bad. What was happening? Yeah, it's it's rough, and they they do a lot of build. I to me, all I could think of the entire time was Willow Creek without the found footage. You know, because it's sort of a young couple going on a trip. She doesn't really want to go, but she's doing it for him and this and that. And it's just, it takes forever to build up. And there's even a couple sequences when they're just sitting in their tent listening to yeah, the woodland they, they noises. Yeah, they think they hear things. And, mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is really similar. But 
I cared a lot more for these characters that when shit actually went down, it it like I said, it was like a gut punch. Yeah, I, I guess I cared a little bit more, not much more. Uh, they were I mean, fine. They they were fine, but I liked the characters in um, Willow Creek. Also, I thought that those weren't. They felt like atypical horror movie characters to me where you actually like them and they're not just annoying a-holes that's what i thought about these guys you thought they were annoying a-holes no i didn't think they were annoying oh yeah yeah i that's mean what, they, that's what i'm saying they were flawed but well yeah but i think if you took a, a camera crew and just showed like followed around uh, a couple while they go camping this is probably pretty close to what it would be yeah especially especially when she sort of blows up on him. That was, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> Which I'm a loser. I know. I know. But hey, grab a fucking map. Come on. Well, th- well, that was the other thing. There dude, were what? several things. Th- this dude, I mean, the girl was kind of annoying because she was, she didn't want anything. She didn't really want to be there. She wasn't really into the whole outdoorsy thing. Yeah. But he went the complete opposite route where he thought he was fucking Bear Grylls. Going, yeah. He's like, oh, we don't need a map. Cell phones? Fuck it, we'll leave them in the car. Like, these are basic things that even yeah. seasoned outdoorsmen take with them. Just, you never know what's going to happen. Come on. But yeah. he's just, he's overconfident. He which was not, very yeah. overconfident. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say anymore. Well, we know what, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> We know what happens when people are overconfident. <laughs> you can imagine. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is the uh, Missy Peregrine and Eric Balfour are very, very familiar to me, but I can't figure out where the hell I know these people from. Well, Eric Balfour, he's in a ton of stuff. He's in a lot of horror movies. Okay. He was in that Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, the Michael Bay produced one. Yeah, he just looks so damn familiar. If you saw Hellride, I believe he was in that. The one with, uh, that was that biker exploitation film that came (laughs) out. uh, I think Tarantino was like, he produced it or he did something to promote it. Came out in 2008. I don't know. Because I'm like, I went through his his stuff here and I don't, like I'd never really seen any of it. Hmm. I don't know why these people are so familiar to me. Yeah, well, that dude's not. He was putting on that Irish accent. The well, whole yeah, time. <laughs> I know, I know that. Um, yeah, I don't know what else you would have seen him in. I think Texas Chainsaw is the first thing that I recognize him from. He was also the star of that Skyline movie. We had Ryan watch that one week. Maybe, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's Skyline. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's been around. I don't know, but uh, I thought that this was just. It was a small film. It's very light in story. Like, there's not a lot going on in this thing. It's just very straightforward, sort of one thing going on. And just, I mean, it was. I thought it was exceptionally well done for what they were doing. The story that they're trying to tell, I thought it was very effective. Kind of, yeah. kind of caught me off guard because after laughter was finished, I was kind of like, damn, that was intense. That had me, that had me on the edge of my seat. It was. It was very was, intense. Plus, suspenseful. Nature, nature already scares the shit out of me. <laughs> well, it's funny when the movie started. I, I was, I said to my girlfriend, I was like, "Man, I haven't been camping in a really long time. I want to go camping." Fuck that. And then Never after the movie, camp. I'm like, "Nope, nope, forget that." I had a lot of, 
encounters with bears, so I don't want to do that ever again. I've never encountered a bear in the wild, so I'm not afraid of it. It used to be bears, bears in Deep Creek. We always had bears around our house. Hmm. Bears. And I was bears. almost bitten by a rattlesnake in Deep Creek, so. Oh, boy. There you go. That's fun. Fuck nature, man. Stay I... away from nature. It just wants to kill you. It says the best tagline, just survive. <laughs> I love Fair. again like i said it's a simple movie but damn it's effective i love i mean i love survival movies so this was right up there for me that's why i love descent so much the descent because the, i didn't like it for the creature stuff i liked it for the survival stuff yeah I can and that see movie that. that movie frozen too not the disney one but <laughs> <laughs> the one where the the kids get stuck on the ski lift over oh, okay. a holiday over a holiday weekend oh, and <laughs> they get man. stuck at the top of a ski lift oh boy yeah that one was pretty intense man so either way backcountry i do recommend it i haven't thought about a score i will go ahead and give it uh six and a half uh yeah oh i don't know oh uh, six and a half or a seven i think i'll go seven 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 and a half Seven, seven, seven and a half. I'm going to go seven and a half. If you're into survival movies, check this one out. It, If you go into it not knowing anything, it's best, it, it'll be better we, for you. But we just ruined that. Well, you, pretty so. much we did, unfortunately. But the synopsis... Even, even the synopsis ruins yeah, it. Yeah, the synopsis ruins it. The way that they set the movie up, you think it's going to be completely different. And I feel like the success of the movie kind of hinders on that, you know? It's yeah the unexpected. But even like in his interviews, the writer director, you know, kind of talks about the bears and yeah gory scenes and stuff. So yeah, there's some pretty uh, pretty gory stuff that happens. Oh. oh boy! I'll tell you the the one thing that made me the most uneasy, and this this happens I'm, every time I see it. I'm just waiting. Yeah. Is when he pulls his toenail off. Oh yeah, that was that was nice. That and the bone that. There's a there's a bone scene, but in most horror movies, when someone breaks a bone, it's always really gruesome, and it's like sticking through their That's, leg, and there's and blood I, gushing everywhere. And I kind of wonder if he did that on purpose, you know, because there's so much gore throughout the movie that when she or whoever I, I love snap, that. snaps it, you're yeah. thinking, oh my god, this is going to be disgusting, there's going to be bones sticking out. And they go complete opposite, which it was just like a little little nub. Yeah, but it was to me, it was still horrible though. <laughs> oh yeah, because you still know the pain that's involved there. Uh, I'm not sure when this movie will be coming out, but keep a lookout for it because it is definitely one to see. It's called Backcountry, and it's written and directed by Adam McDonald. Dude. Yep. All right. So, let's. Yeah. Yeah. When. <laughs> I win. <laughs> I suggested a movie to you. You liked it. Fucking eat it. I like. I usually like the stuff you suggest to me. True. I just usually don't suggest. No, that you, often. <laughs> you don't give me a lot of suggestions. So when you suggested this one, I was all, I was jumping on it pretty quickly. All right, let's move on to our next movie. This is Horns that we're talking about today, directed by Alexander Aja. This stars Daniel Radcliffe, Juno Temple, Heather Graham. Has a small role in it. Uh, I have a synopsis here. In the aftermath of his girlfriend's mysterious death, a young man awakens to strange horns sprouting from his temples. This is a very interesting concept for a movie. 
Mm-hmm. Now, Kevin, so I was watching this, and I thought to mm-hmm. myself, when I was when I first started, I was like, oh, okay. Did you see the, the connection between this and Gone Girl, though? I mean, the obvious connection. Yeah. It's very surface-level connection. Yeah. That, that's, why you... I, that's why I sent you that text message, because at, right when I started watching Horns, I was like, oh, shit, that's kind of coincidental. So I sent you the text, but... Um, there's, a, there's also another correlation too is the fact that you watch Children of the Corn and this movie is written by Stephen King's son. Yep, J- Joe Hill. So Joe you Hill. got that. We got connections everywhere. Connections everywhere today, man. So I will say that I was really into this movie at the beginning, but it it slowly started to fall apart for me as it progressed. Uh, I wasn't too thrilled about the end, but Overall, I thought that it was a weird little movie, and I, I liked that it kind of embraced how odd it was, and I liked the fact that I wish I wish he would have played more with his powers that he gains from the horns. Yeah, I don't I don't think it. I think that they tell you in the trailer. I think they show in the trailer that he does get powers where he can kind of bring out the truth in people and persuade them to do whatever he wants. Yeah. It's pretty much, he just hears all their dark thoughts. They, you know, just, and if he touches them, he can see it too. He can see it. And then if he tells them to do something, they pretty much just, it's basically like if you've read the preacher, I was going to say, it reminded me of preacher. Yeah. If you've read the preacher comics, it's kind of what, the main character Jesse Custer can do in Preacher, where he has the voice of God. If he tells you to do something, you do it, no matter what, no matter what it is. And so he does some interesting things with that. What did you think? It was, of, it was what, a lot funnier than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, there there was a lot I, of. I mean, honestly, me going into this, all I knew is that Daniel Radcliffe has horns. That's it. I did. I didn't know what the hell this movie was about. So once. The, the horns sprout, and he has that first interaction that's very odd but very funny with the donuts. You're, I was just kind of yeah. like, what yeah. the? What? It was... Like, what is this movie about? That's, and that's then he I... started, like, every person that he's talking to him is just like, oh, you know what? This is kind of fun. I like this. I, I, this is a good idea. But much like you said, for me, it, there's a certain point where this entire movie just fell apart for me. Yeah. And it was just, it was no longer fun. And it just became, honestly, it just became stupid and silly. I will, uh, I will agree with you there, Kevin. Because I was, I was completely into it. I'm like, this is different. I was completely into it until the final act. And real quick, let's just talk about what the, what the movie is about. Essentially, after he gets these horns, he's trying to uncover who the real killer was of his girlfriend. And he decides that he can use the power of the horns to try to solve this mystery. Now I called the murderer right off the bat. Yes. So, so I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't a big mystery to me. The, the bigger mystery was the horns and why he got them and what, what's going on with that. That was more intriguing to me than who killed his, who killed his girlfriend. Yeah. I, I don't. I didn't. Hmm. I felt like I was it, thinking they just—they were really sloppy with the mechanics of the horns. You know what I mean? It just seems like they just, you know, forced them into this narrative. 
where they didn't really explain them and they just kind of like shifted well, they, shifted the powers of them and and then things just get really out of hand towards the end towards the end they you're just like what the what towards the end they try to explain it a little bit more but it still doesn't but it i mean it gets even more convoluted yeah yeah it does it does but either way i i don't necessarily need a detailed explanation of the no. horns or or why they're there <laughs> or you know uh that's what i mean like it, the beginning portion of it it's, it's okay it's like okay i understand you know they they all see him as the devil so he sort of you know he sprouts the horns and he looks sort of looks the part and then everyone projects their dark thoughts on him but like i say i would have been okay if we just sort of left it at that sort of left it open ended yeah and i think with them trying to explain it towards the end it just got out of hand well, I think that the, just the narrative in general gets a little bit out of hand. I feel like it turns into a typical superhero or even action movie towards mm-hmm. the end, you know, where you have this big crescendo, the, the final battle, so to speak. Yeah. And none of that stuff was really working no, for me. It the, fell apart. I mean, so I much. and it's really disappointing to me because I was I was so on board with this movie. I didn't necessarily think i would be but i mean i was even on board for the flashbacks when they would flash back to when they were kids like all that stuff i thought was really effective i thought it was funny i thought it was weird i thought that the the visuals uh were a good complement to just kind of the weird story that was unfolding so i was on board with everything and then that final act i was just like nope nope yes yeah, i wasn't on board with everything but i was I was kind of surprised towards the beginning. I, number one, you know me and voiceover. I well, I knew that that was going to so be a right problem off, right for off, you right off the bat. The voiceover that's at the beginning, which is extremely corny and just, I mean, that's like seventh grade writing level dialogue. It's just bad. And then once he gets the horns and stuff, he starts doing some like noir type voiceover, which I didn't think really worked because he didn't. He just it sort of came out of nowhere. Like he just started doing it, which I didn't. It, to me, it didn't work at all. But I have to say, I was really into the horns and the comedy of it and the mystery of it. And I was like, you know, this is kind of an interesting mix. I was like, I'm kind of surprised by this. But it just, man, it fell apart as soon as the, as soon as he was given the uh, the necklace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's where everything just fell apart. Yeah. I was just like, this is terrible now. Yep. Like, it, we just nosedived. You know what? It, it reminds me of another Alexander Aja movie, High Tension. One that I loved and I thought was one of the most amazing horror movies I had ever seen. And then the end happens and I was like, okay, well, now it's ruined. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden he has dominion over snakes and yeah, that was a, yeah, that was an odd. Well, I kind of got the pitchfork there, too. Yeah, I'm just like... <laughs> I thought that was funny. Me? I thought that was funny. And then he like he starts using the snakes. I don't know why. That was, he, a, like, pretty, does, that was a pretty really, crazy scene, though, when he used the snakes, though. Does he need the snakes? Well, you have them. You might it as just, well it, use well, them. It, seem, it seems like his powers kind of got out of hand. Well, he was learning to control them. You know, that was, that was the thing when you... When you discover you have these powers, he was probably figuring out how to 
I don't make know. It, I don't make it work. To me, the the snakes just seemed kind of tacked on because they just came like four or five days after he had these powers. Just all of a sudden, it's like, oh yeah, by the way, he can control snakes. Snakes yeah, maybe, everywhere all of a sudden. You're like, what maybe the it took him a little while to come from. Yeah, maybe it took him a little while to get to him, or maybe it took it took yeah. a while for his powers to fully manifest themselves. Because Just if you if you remember, the horns weren't fully fully grown at the very true. beginning. That's true. But yeah, maybe it just took the snakes a very long time to get there, traveling and whatnot. I mean, the snakes I could have... I could have done without the snakes. Yeah. The snakes were it's, just kind of too much. It's fine. I could take them or leave them. They didn't but the, bother the whole, me. I, I like the fact that they actually used some real snakes sometimes. Uh, that I like to see that. They should have used all real snakes. Well, the, the one scene... When they did switch to CG snakes, they did not look good. The one scene CG snakes ever looked good. See, well, that's the thing. CG snakes never look good. They just so that's can't what I'm seem saying. To do it. We don't need the damn snakes. Get the snakes out of there. I think they could have showed the snakes, real snakes, like slithering, and then show that one big python or whatever was that he walked around with. Yeah. And, and it was funny because when they first showed that, I was like, is he going to walk around for the rest of this movie with that giant snake around his shoulders? <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did enjoy how he, he kind of settled into his role, his new role. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was just when he came back and got that, uh, got the necklace, the Jesus piece, slapped it on his neck. And it's just, to me, it got silly, just downright laughable. Yeah, and the way they try and you know, he, oh, he's being protected now. He has the power. It's just like, are you kidding me? And then there's that last transformation because he rips it off, and you're just like, what? What the fuck is this? Yeah, I just I kind of felt betrayed with that whole last scene. I, like, I agree. I can't believe that you. I was actually interested in you at one point, and then this is what you're gonna do to me. It was disappointing. I will say that. I still like Alexander Aja as a director. I think that he has a really unique style to him. And even if I'm not into all of his movies, I didn't really like the Hills Have Eyes remake. Uh, I really liked Piranha 3D and Mirrors. So. Mirrors. And I have to say, the, the, the scene with Juno Temple and Daniel Radcliffe, I keep wanting to call him Robert, Robin Pat- Robert Pattinson. Daniel Radcliffe. Which, this is the first time I've ever seen him in anything. He was actually pretty good. I was going to ask if gotta, this was the first one. Cause I, I, I got to that... hand it to him. I thought he was yeah, pretty he's, good. he's good. Uh, the, the altercation that those two have at the diner. Yeah. Um, where Juno Temple's like, how many people have you been with? And he's like, oh, you know the answer. She's like, people don't do that. That's a lie. People do that. So screw you, Juno Temple. <laughs> Your dialogue. <laughs> Making it sound weird. Well, they were... It's not weird. They're pretty young, too, right? I mean, how old are they supposed to be? I don't know how old they're supposed to be. Uh, One of the other scenes I liked a lot was the scene when his brother is ODing. I guess... No, it's not a... (laughs) Not a spoiler. There's a scene where he... There's moss and overgrowth that just comes through and kind of covers the area and the way that they did that effect i, I liked that a lot i thought it looked it did, really cool it did look pretty nice it sort of gets swallowed up 
Yeah, there's also a really quick uh, camera trick that they do at the beginning of the very, very beginning of the movie where the camera's on a on that loop and it goes through the, you know what I'm talking about? It's at the very beginning. And mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it cuts through the... goes through the, the floor. I like that. The, I, I always the like... Soil. Yeah, I always like it when they do that in movies. Just, oh man, I'm just such betrayal. <laughs> yeah. It just turns into like one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. I mean... God damn! What was that? Like a terrible episode of Spawn? <laughs> Spawn! It did remind me of Spawn. <laughs> I was like, yes. "Fucking come on!" Oh boy! All right. Um, that got, got ugly. It did. I I agree. Again, I probably mm. didn't hate it as much as you, but I'm gonna give Horns a five out of ten. Which it's really weird because. At the beginning, like I said, I was into it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, Adam is gonna be—he's gonna be blown away that I like this movie. He's gonna be completely surprised." And then when it when it takes that shift, I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna surprise him anymore." He's, I know. Well, that it's funny because know. it's funny because I thought pretty much the exact same thing. I was thinking, "Oh, I bet Kevin's gonna like this," and then at the end, I was like, "Nope, <laughs> there's no hope. There's no hope." I'm sorry, it starts off good, but man, it just... Boy, does it fall apart. So I'm going to end up going with a four. Hmm. Mm. Four for some horns. That is, that's that's a shame. It is. Well, there you have it. Horns is playing on demand now, and I believe that it hits select cities on October 31st. Uh, let's move on and talk about some Gone Girl. Oh, man. Yeah. Let's do it. So this is directed by David Fincher. This is... Stars Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Neil Patrick Harris, Scoot McNary in there. Gotta have, I, gotta have I, Scoot. I literally, once again, he pops up. Well, they show it from like far away, and I'm like, Scoot, is that Scoot? <laughs> and then when I'm like, Scoot, oh my god, he keeps popping up in all these movies. It's fantastic. Did you see? There's a a new movie with him and Ben Mendelsohn in called Black Sea coming out. Are you fucking kidding yep. me? Him and Mendelssohn. Oh, shit. Uh, Tyler Perry's also in this, and we'll get pa- to that in Patrick a minute. Fujit? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't seen him in ages. Uh, I'm trying to think of... Eh, I can't remember. I have a synopsis here. With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not, may not be innocent. So I'll tell you, I'm a huge fan of David Fincher, as most people are. Yeah. You say you're a pretty big big, fan. I'm a pretty big fan. Yeah. Pretty big Fincher fan. So I had I had extremely high expectations going into this movie. This was probably one of my most anticipated of the year. I'm so excited to see it. And I gotta say, for maybe the first 25 minutes of this movie, I was not on board with it. I was not into it. I thought that if it felt extremely slow and it felt like something that I've just seen before many times. Like, oh, it's a someone's missing, presumed dead. We don't know if the husband did it or not. Did he do it? I don't know. Are we going to find out? I don't know. <laughs> and then also the exploration of media manipulation and how media is used to skew... Uh, facts and how that can be an influence on oh, yeah. what happens. Like Dude, uh, we've never seen that before. Yeah. So like I was like, okay, it was, 
it was entertaining still, but I just really wasn't I wasn't <clears throat> feeling it. I wasn't feeling that Fincher magic. But then maybe I don't know how long. 25, 30 minutes in, the big twist happens. I guess it's you could consider it a twist. The big revelation happens. And from that point on, I was like, all right, here we go. Because I feel like after that happens, they kick it up to high gear and the, the movie starts moving faster and things get more suspenseful and quicker. And I thought that from that point on, it was fantastic. Well, I, I think I already know the answer to this. You, you didn't read the novel, did no, you? No, I didn't read the novel. So okay. I had no idea how it played out or anything okay. like that. I, I made right, a gotcha. point to stay away from everything. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't read the novel either. Okay. It's just not my type of thing. Uh, my wife did read it. So I knew about it because she asked me, are you ever going to read this? And I said, no, it's not my type of thing. So she told me what happens because she needed someone to talk to about the book. So I knew what was going on in this thing. I didn't know all of everything that takes place. Didn't he make some changes? I thought that I read somewhere that he uh, made no, some changes to how there's it... Not, there's not that many changes from what I gathered from my wife telling me after we were done watching this. There's a couple things that I didn't know about that came as a surprise and that's to me that would ultimately hurt this film because I'm the opposite of you. I don't... This just didn't feel like a Fincher movie to me. Outside of the... The Reznor Rolf score, which was fantastic. Yeah, Easily I was gonna. Yeah, I was gonna get into this that. movie. Yeah. God damn it! I will watch anything that they score. Seriously. Same here. It's it's so funny you said that because in the car ride home, I said I will literally watch anything that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross do a score for. I yep. I know. I don't care what it is. I'm in. Just tell me that. So that to me was the high point. The only thing that made it feel like a Fincher movie was you know. The lighting of everything, how yeah. everything takes place at night. The colors. Okay. It... But to me, it was just, I it, honestly, I thought it was just kind of uninspired. Well, it's just like a retelling of the book. There's like no interpretation at all. It's just, this is what happens in the book. This, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. And I'm just like, man, this is really straightforward. It almost kind of feels like a TV movie. I was just, I was really disappointed. Plus, well, I just think that the overall storyline is fucking outlandish beyond belief. It's so ridiculous. Uh, I I was in it. I was completely in it until again. It's I can pinpoint the exact moment, just like horns. That's when Neil Patrick Harris showed up. To me, it just it got silly at that. Yeah, point. and I think I think it's we're just gonna like what the fuck? You wrote yourself in such a corner that you just created this ridiculous plot point. I think just yeah, tied up. And I think we're probably so, gonna have to. God. get into a little bit of spoilers here with this one because this is one another one that you can't really talk about uh they don't they don't give you any information in the trailers and stuff for this movie so i think that we'll probably have to get into some spoilers on this uh as far as performances you know everybody's touting rosamund pike in this i i didn't really see it i didn't think yeah you know what and I, I even said it. Oh well, yeah, when I said when I said everyone, I meant you. Oh, you dick! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, like judging from the trailers and stuff, I was like, oh my goodness, she's gonna be really good in this. Yeah, she. I do. And I yeah. just thought, eh. I, I mean, I'm so I, I was really impressed by Carrie Coon 
who played Ben Affleck's sister. Yeah, she was sister. great. I thought she was fantastic. If, and if you Kim see, Dickens. If you see The Leftovers, Carrie Coon's in The Leftovers, and she's fantastic in that, too. So yeah. I expected her um, to be awesome. This, the um, surprise for me was Tyler Perry. I thought yeah. Ty- Tyler oh, Perry was awesome <laughs> in this movie. I was... You got to be kidding me! Yeah, Tyler Perry, he killed he it. Was, he, he was fantastic. I'll give it to him. I will yeah. give it to him. He was fantastic. Ben Affleck, I I was kind of on the fence with him being in this one, but I gotta say he he was perfect for the part. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because he he's so good at playing this kind of charming dude, yet at the same time. He just has that air of smugness. Yeah, to yeah. Just, you think that he might be kind of a dick. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying that I think that that's how Ben Affleck is in real life or anything, but no, but just, he can he can play that. Yeah, he can do right. that. That's what I mean. He's like a step below Joe Swanberg in that department on how well he can <laughs> convey that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to uh, me, the high, the highlight was Carrie Coon. That was like I immediately want to see the leftovers now. Yeah, there's an entire episode that's just her. Okay. So check check that out. Uh, as far as the the rest of the movie, it felt a little little long to me. Probably could have been trimmed a little bit. Now I'm wondering if the issues that you're having, because you you're saying that it felt like just a straight adaptation, and there were no, there was no you know artistic license taken with it. So I'm wondering if if you were not familiar with the book at all would you feel the same way? Because then you wouldn't know that it was just a, a an exact adaptation. I, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know how I would have, you know, felt about this movie if I didn't know about it. But even in just the visual storytelling aspect, it's just a series of just kind of uninspired shots. Just, well, like one shot just to give you some information, then another shot to give you some information, and it just felt so rigid. Well, as far as the cinematography goes, there was it's very straightforward. I mean, yeah, hey, that's no... what I mean. It's just it felt it felt too structured, too rigid. I don't know. I don't know. Which I I, I don't I don't, don't want to say that that's different than the other Fincher movies, but I haven't. It's been a while since I've seen other Fincher movies, but I'm pretty sure his camera had a little more life well if you remember i remember when i first discovered david fincher with um well i mean i I saw alien 3 but at the time i didn't know who he was i think that his style with seven and fight club that was some stuff that was when i was like okay this guy knows what's going on with visuals because if you remember those movies they were just you knew it was a David Fincher movie because he remember he used to always do the the thing where the he would have the camera kind of floating and like swooping through walls and stuff. He yeah. did it. He did it yeah, in Panic I, Room too. Because I remember, I remember with Social Network. If I I think I remember telling you that I swear to God, if Fincher does that camera trick and he goes through like an Ethernet cable, I'm gonna be pissed. Which I don't think he did. I don't so remember. Social, I don't remember. I don't think he didn't it. do it. I think he stopped. I think that's when he was like, I'm going to be be known as a serious filmmaker. Well, visually, I, I didn't find the movie to be anything special. There weren't even any specific shots no, or anything that's that, what I, I mean. that I remember. There's, there's nothing to me. But 
to me, that didn't really bring it down too much because I I was thoroughly invested in the story. Like I said, after the big reveal happens, because I thought it was pretty humdrum up until that point. And yes, I will agree with you that I find it a lot of that to be somewhat outlandish, but I didn't it, I didn't care. <laughs> the the only thing that well let's uh do you, do you want to say anything else because I do want to talk about some spoilers. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to get in. Uh, hmm. I did like the the, the little bits of comedy that were sprinkled in. Just I'll, like I'll say little... one thing that I noticed: Ben Affleck, his character, big board gamer. Big, yeah. He's all because about board games. At the beginning, they played Life, and then they showed the pile of games. And he brought Mastermind. He got. To her. He gave his sister Mastermind. They made a Scrabble reference at one point, and then there's a scene where they show a uh, garage full of stuff, and right on top is a game called Dominion, which is a tabletop game that not many people know about that aren't gamers. Hmm. And I thought that it was interesting that they put that right there, front and center, Dominion. That is my favorite line of dialogue. Octopus and Scrabble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I also noticed that there were a lot of Kit Kats being eaten throughout this movie. She's oh man, all about Kit Kats. Kit Kats everywhere. Get your Kit Kats. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also like the Mountain Dew scene. Mountain Dew. Yep. Oh my. All right, let's. Uh, what we're gonna do is we'll we'll go ahead and do some spoilers. We'll put this at the very end of the show, and so if you saw Gone Girl. Just keep listening and we'll get to the spoilers at the end of the show. All right. Let's go ahead and give Gone Girl a score. I am going to give it a 7 out of 10. Ke- Kevin, what are you going to give Gone Girl? I, I'm i kind of surprised by your 7. I, I think, well... Because <sighs> I'm going 6. I'm like, six. I said, like I said, I, I had some issues with certain things about it, but overall I liked it. I think that my expectations were a little bit too high with this one, too. After I left the theater, I was like, I really liked what happened after the big reveal, but this wouldn't be top 10 material for me for the end of the year. So No, not, yeah, not for me. There you have it. I still recommend going to check it out. It is playing in theaters right now. That's Gone Girl. Or do this. Download the score and just listen to that while you read the book. Because it's the same damn thing. There's an idea. Perfect idea. Do it. Or get the audiobook and play the score along with the audiobook. And have some Kit Kats. And have some Kit Kats and some Mountain Dew. There you go. There you Octop- go. Octopus and Scrabble. And then play some Dominion afterwards. <laughs> All with right. Your, with your robot dog. Let's move on and talk about some guilty pleasures. So... Every month, at the beginning of the month, we highlight two movies that, for whatever reason, we just like them. doesn't necessarily mean that other people like them. It doesn't mean that critics like them. But maybe they just have a special place in our hearts. So these are our guilty pleasures. I decided for mine this, this month to have kind of a, a Halloween theme. And okay. I also wanted to pick a newer movie because mm-hmm. I feel like... The bulk of my list is going to be older movies that I grew up with that I have a, a 
like fond memories of for whatever mm-hmm. reason your movie this this week is actually one of those but uh so th- this this week this month i picked constantine from 2005 oh this is the one with keanu reeves and rachel weiss and uh shia labeouf earlier role for shia labeouf and is this is this, is this uh pre-holes or post-holes this is post i believe i th- I'm almost positive it's post. I just wanted to say pre and post holes. At first, so I didn't know what you were talking time. about. I thought you were talking about Ryan at first, and I was like, wait a minute. And then I realized it was that stupid movie. about Was it about owls or something? Something about, I uh, forget. Something yeah, about either way. Books. I don't know. Either way, so this is based on the, the DC comic book, uh, later Vertigo comic book, Hellblazer. And... It's got a, a horror vibe to it, but I would not, I probably wouldn't classify this as a horror movie per se. Basically, it's just about a, a dude, it's got a kind of noir vibe to it, and it's about a guy who sort of crosses the line between the spirit world and our world, and it's got, the comic book is really interesting. It's been going for years and years, so there's tons of backstory with this character of John Constantine. Mm-hmm. There's a, a new TV show that they're coming out with uh, very soon. I think it starts either this month or next month. And uh, I just love the character. I think that he's just a badass. And I love these kinds of movies where it's not really just one thing that's happening. There's, there's several things that are happening and it all kind of culminates into one giant ball of craziness. I like, movies that begin in an already established world like he goes and meets with different people that have these quirky little hobbies of like collecting dragon's breath and stuff like that and he's got some really cool weapons and i just like this movie i know that critics didn't like it i don't know if canna reeves is the perfect fit for this character in the uh the comic book character is actually from England, but in this movie they made him American for some reason. Okay. And I don't... I, I like Keanu Reeves. I never thought, and I still don't think to this day, that he's a good actor, but I still like his movies. I, 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 are there any actors that you can say that about, Kevin? Like, mm. actors that you know are not very good, but you still like them? I don't know. Like early Arnold stuff? Probably for me again. I don't know if there is or not. I'm sure it is. I'm just. But do you know what I'm? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know know what you're talking about. I just, for some reason, I don't find Keanu Reeves to be a very good actor, but I like most of his movies, and this is no exception. So Constantine, I like it a lot. Check it out. Did did, do you think that was a good sell for Constantine? I, I don't. I don't know. This is one where I'm not. I'm just really not sure why people hated it so much. What's it? I, I mean, I've never seen it, so I'm not sure. You know, I can't speak on. Do you know why most people didn't like it? No, I don't. Like it, did like did it stick to the to the comic? Well, the comic book started. Or did they really in, like fuck it up? Ne- well, there's bits and pieces of the comic book in it. I mean, the mainly it's a, the characters and some of the themes of the comic book are carried over. Uh, the comic book's been going on since the 80s so 
I never read any of the early stuff. He's in the 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 character John Constantine's in the Dark Avengers now. Mm. In the and not Dark Avengers, the uh, Justice League Dark, and uh, so that's really cool. Like he's in a his own Justice League team with Frankenstein's monster and uh, Zatanna and some other people. Dead man. Dead man. And uh, yeah, and it's uh, so there's some really cool stuff happening in the comic books now, uh, especially because he was pulled out of the regular DC universe. And put into the Vertigo one, which, you know, is the more adult-themed uh, side of things. That's where Preacher was. Sure, sure. But sure. they have since brought him back into the DC Universe proper, and he's mucking it up with the zero superheroes now. I must say that the instances where I feel most out of depth, like discussion-wise... Comic book stuff? <laughs> comic book stuff. I just hear, like, DC, Marvel... DC, Marvel, Vertigo, and I'm just like, what, what? Well, what, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I can't follow any of it. I don't claim to be an expert. I try to keep up with what's happening. It's as just much like my can, my but... face just glosses over, and I'm just like, uh huh, uh huh. Speaking of comic books, uh, I'm assuming that you haven't seen any of the episodes of Gotham that have come no. out. Nope. I just want to re- really quickly say I see the potential in that show and i think that it would be amazing if they made a crime procedural you know a law and order just like every other crime procedural but have it set in the dc universe with or in gotham city and make it gritty make it dark give it the batman theme Mm -hmm. and occasionally not every episode occasionally throw in a recognizable batman villain or batman character but for the most part, just have it be a regular crime drama set in this crazy city. Yeah. I think that'd be amazing. And there's only two episodes that have come out so far. Because yeah, you can just have a field day with it. Because Gotham is like the worst city. Right. Ever. I mean, I think that Sin City is probably the only city worse. But Yeah, that's true. The uh, But Gotham's crazier, though. You know, because Gotham has those just ridiculous wild villains like scarecrow that are spraying people with gas and making them hallucinate and all this stuff so i think that they could do some really cool stuff the first episode of the show gets into a little bit of backstory with all the characters and they have like the riddler bruce wayne detective gordon who later becomes commissioner gordon you have selena kyle catwoman you have penguin I mean, they just loaded up Poison Ivy's in the first episode. Oh, okay. But she's right. it's before she was Poison Ivy. Yeah. Which I didn't like. I didn't like that. And I was like, oh, man, here we go. They're just going to make it a CW show. That's all it is. The second episode was a little bit better because it was a little bit more focused on what it was doing. So I don't know. We'll see. I just wanted to give my quick thoughts on it because I am a huge fan of Batman. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see where it's going. What do you have for your guilty pleasure of October? My guilty pleasure is 1994's PCU. PCU. Classic. Yeah. I have the theatrical poster for this movie. Nice. Hold on to that. It's not the one that... It's sort of the one that they show on IMDb, but the one on IMDb is this weird photoshopped one where they cut out the people and put it to a white background. 
Yeah. I don't know why what's that, it, what's, that is. What's, what's that all about? I don't know. I don't know what that's... It looks terrible. Uh, I don't... Honestly, I don't... I just remember loving this as a kid. And even when I think about it, you know, I go, there's a couple of scenes that I, I... Like, I know this movie pretty well, even though I rewatched it this weekend. I was kind of surprised that I knew like exactly what happens in this movie oh i remember like everything the, yeah like the entire process the whole thing it, it's like i wasn't surprised at all which in a sense surprised me because i usually forget like two-thirds of movies but apparently i enjoy pcu so much i know exactly what happens so bam i was with it all the way mostly the thing that gets me is number one is jeremy piven's character which is ridiculous. Draws. Which this time around, I I did notice that he's a lot like Nicolas Cage. Like he's channeling some crazy Cage here. Not as well. He's obviously. Way, yeah, he's way over the top in this movie. He's I, I, which that that surprised me. I don't remember him being that over the top. But it was a bit too much this time around. But I still absolutely love the scene where it's the flashback of his freshman year where he's rooming with david spade's character and how he just goes ape shit on him and starts pouring yeah. vodka all over his face and telling him to go he's to screaming sleep at him. He's, yeah. he's jumping up on dressers i still love that and then when it just cuts back to piven's face and he just shudders and he's like oh it was a nightmare <laughs> and then the character Ooh. of gutter john favreau which is john favreau <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had giant dreads he does have dreads. Oh, no, no, not giant. That's right. They're the little, they're the little ones. They yeah, the li- those those little dreads. And I, for whatever reason, John Favreau in this movie is just I. I love his character. I just love his character, and that he screws up, and he feels so bad about it. And then, of course, my favorite scene with him is the whole CNN dream that he has, or a C-SPAN dream that he has, where he's getting grilled by the senators about his drug use. Because he decided to take two bong hits, and he completely falls apart. I just <laughs> <laughs> he ends up waking up on the street, acting like a dog for some reason. Then he runs into P Funk. I mean, this movie is just ridiculous. Yeah, but it is it is fun, and it's still fun. I mean, yeah, it's stupid, but I still enjoy it. It still has enough of that skewering of the whole political correctness thing that ran rapid. And still is today. Yeah, I remember. It, I remember the. Like, I think it was the opening scene of that movie where they showed all the like fifty thousand different protesters. Yeah, the, it was the, just the, how, meat, the meat is murder. Yeah, and how he goes through it. You know, they'll they'll pick a, a cause, but they'll only latch onto it for a week, and then they'll move on to something else. And then, you know, there's the guy yelling out like "Free Nelson Mandela," and the other guy has to <laughs> interrupt him. He's like, "No, they already freed him. They took care of that." Just it, the skewering of it is great. It unfortunately it gets into the you know whole we got to save our house, right? Frat house or whatever. But even then, still have it, still having fun with this one, and just forever, just the woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> 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 I love that uh, frisbee scene. That was the that was the frisbee scene, right at the end. <laughs> that guy, no, that guy. no, that's. It was like halfway through. Just I don't know why, but Alex Dessert saying that is just to me that it will always be one of the funniest things ever. And I still use that line to this day. I if there's that, anything that I'm like, 
kind of into. I'm just like, woohoo. <laughs> I thought that that happened after the, when they were sitting on the bleachers, after the frisbee scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No, I thought you meant the frisbee scene like it was at the end of the movie. Oh, no, no. No, no. okay, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're on the he's, same page. He's, he's, he that just, guy was in Becker. He was in Becker. <laughs> that was one of the main reasons I watched Becker. Oh, Becker. Great movie. I love PCU as well. I remember my dad gave me shit for liking this movie. <laughs> he thought it was just so terrible. And I was like, this is this is our animal house, you know? This is the animal house of the 90s. I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't know anything about college. I didn't go to college. So I have no idea what college is like. But forever in my head, PCU is what college is like. Like, that's my idea of the college experience. Yeah. I have a feeling that I'm way off. That's not true, but whatever. I never went to college, so I think of it as PCU. I think that it's... Well, when I say that this is our animal house, I just mean this is like our generations. Because I remember this stuff, you know, when political correctness came to the forefront and was such a big deal. <laughs> I just... Uh, I loved this movie. It's a great movie. Still run rampant. All right, let's move on and talk about some predictions. Uh, we got Gone Girl. You said 88. I said, I said 94, actual 87. Ooh. Annabelle. You said 22. I said 43, actual 31. Mm. And we didn't predict it, but Left Behind garners a two. Oh, what? I always, I always think it when, when it's like a one or a two or like a seven, I always find that to be... More fun than if it just gets a zero. All right, we have Dracula Untold next week. What are you thinking on this? A Dracula movie, huh? Hmm. Well, I think it looks say, pretty bad. Yeah, but... it doesn't look good. It does not look good. I'm going to say, I'm going to go 22 again. 22, all right. I will say 31. Yeah, okay. 31. That's what I said for Annabelle, so... We also have Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. Ugh. Which Alex Dessert is in. Nice. Nice. The This movie looks really bad. I, I remember the book from when I was a kid. I don't really understand why you would adapt this into a movie. Because why the fuck not, man? Let's just adapt every book ever. But also, it doesn't look like the the movie really follows the book too much. But I mean, how how can you? It's like a little kid's book. But either way, I don't. Nothing about it looks funny. Although there are some decent people in it, and it's directed by uh, somebody that we we just talked about who directed this the other day. I can't remember who it is. Oh my god! Who... The guy who did Chuck and Buck and uh, the Good Girl. Yeah, what is that guy's name? I don't know. He works with <laughs> yeah. Mike. He works what? with Mike White. <laughs> Whoever it is. I'm about, about to have it here in a second. Miguel Arteta. Oh, yeah, Youth and Revolt and everything. Okay. Yeah, Youth and Revolt was the other one. So Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids, which I liked a lot, thought was really funny. So, who knows? Maybe this one's going to be good. Judging by the trailers, it looks pretty bad. So, I'll say 56. I'm going to say... I'm going to say... 72. Could be the breakout family hit of the year. Oh, yeah, you know it. We also have The Judge. With Judge. 
Robert this, Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall. This does not look good. No, no. This looks bad. <laughs> what do you think on the judge? Judge uh, 46. Time to judge the judge. <laughs> Lay down the judgment. Oh, boy. The judge. Oh, we forgot to keep a ticker. Damn it. How many movies we discussed that it's just the... Oh, yeah. Man. Well, we got... I got a few more lined up here, so... <laughs> oh, I know you do. You can you can tick these. For the judge, I'll say 42. Okay. Nailed it. In limited release next week, we have Addicted Whiplash, which I recommend people checking that out if it's playing in your area. We have Kill the Messenger. I am interested in that one. This is the one with Jeremy Renner. Auto... Oh, you're not um, interested in that one? No, I am. I am a little oh, bit interested in that one. It's got a good trailer. That movie yeah. has a good trailer. Automata. It's a science fiction movie with Antonio Banderas. No. Hmm. That was uh, interesting. It visually, it looks interesting, but I, I don't know. I'll probably check it out. I mean, how many movies have we seen that deal with the future and when robots are out of control? You know. True. Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. Yeah. Definitely recommend that one. Kite. It's one with Samuel L. Jackson based on a... Is it based on a graphic novel or a manga or something? Manga? Yeah. I think. Yep. St. Vincent. Uh, meet the Mormons. The Canal. I recommend... Yes. Che- I recommend that one. The House That October Built. Uh, I don't know anything about that, but we'll be reviewing that next week. And the pack two. So there's three thes at the end. I don't recommend the pack two, but I do recommend the pack one. So check that out on Netflix if you get a chance. Okay. Next week on Video On Demand, we have Bronx Obama. I played a lot of festivals, but I did not see it at any of them. Okay. Didn't interest me. I just, I don't really care about a guy that looks like Barack Obama. I just don't. Wait, that's the whole movie? Yeah, it's about a guy that looks like President Obama. And they made a movie all that? Yeah. But I think that it it gets more into his life. Like he something happens where he fucks up his life or something. I I don't know the details, but it just didn't interest me. Uh, we also have a picture of you, dance off, automata, the devil's hand, mm. catch hell. Okay. Which is with Ryan Phillippe. Haven't seen him in a while. Uh-uh. I think he did he direct that too. I don't know. Dead Snow Two and You're Not You. That's a whole uh-huh. lot of stuff I never even. Yeah, this heard is. Of. I mean, this whole VOD business get inundated with a lot of movies that I've <laughs> never heard of. Yeah. Yep. Yes, maybe, sir. Maybe maybe we should keep it that way. Quite possibly. Next week on DVD and Blu-ray, get ready for this. There's a ton of stuff. Oh, jeez. We got Adventure Time Season 4. We'll actually have a review for that up. This will be the first TV show that we ever do a review for, so I'm kind of excited. 10, 10 out of 10, awesome. Kind of excited Just for that. Awesome. I don't really know how to rate that. Like, I don't, even know if, I don't even know if I will give it a rating because... Shut, shut your face. Give it a 14. <laughs> it's the fucking greatest thing ever. I should. I think might, that might break our... our review system but well, i'll see what happens we also have flex uh, flexes uh, kings oh nice yeah i'll get to see that the devil incarnate uh 
No thanks. Yeah, no. Jack and the Cuckoo Clock Heart, which I talked about last week. Edge of Tomorrow, which I do recommend checking that one out. I do want to see that. It's one of the surprises. Big surprise. Yeah, exactly. probably, one, probably one of the biggest surprises of the year for me because I went into it expecting nothing. I didn't, I didn't even want to see it. And I was really pleased with the result. We have Sharknado 2. Also, just jumping back to Edge of Tomorrow, whatever they're doing with the home video, the DVD Blu-ray marketing for this movie is stupid and I don't get it. If you look at the cover, and even when you look at how it's listed on some sites, it says, Live, Die, Repeat. It's like they changed the freaking title of it for but wait, that's home not video. The- that's not the name of the movie. I, yeah, I know. But when you look at the DVD cover, it says live, die, repeat. And on the spine of the Blu-ray and DVD, it's it also says live, die, repeat. Okay. And then in, in little tiny letters afterwards, it says Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. All right. It's, it's, it's dumb. I mean... That is pretty stupid. The original title of the manga was All You Need Is Kill, which I'm not saying that that's a great title, but... Live, die, repeat? Come on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry. Was, was your mind just blown by something? My mind was just blown by something. The Orioles just swept the Tigers. Nice. Oh, shit. Congratulations. That's why I'm doing so damn well. Oh, and then Bob's Burgers coming on in two minutes. This is the best day ever. Uh, we have Obvious Child coming out. Uh, eh. A Million Ways to Die in the West. Nope. Uh, oh, man. A lot of horror collections are being either released or re-released. Yeah. So we have Joyride 1, 2, and 3. I remember the first one. I think the first one was with Paul Walker, but I don't think I saw any of the other ones. Uh, Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2. I actually I liked the first one. I hated the second one. The Hellraiser collection, which is 1 through 6. Uh, so that's not, all, that's not all of them. Well, I don't know how many there are in total, though. That's kind of rude. The Halloween collection, which only includes Halloween H2O, Halloween 8, and Halloween The Curse of Michael Myers, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. That must be the ones that I think Miramax is putting that out. Yeah. So those must be just the three random entries that Miramax handled. Although part, I think the, The Curse of Michael Myers is... That's the one that stars Paul Rudd, so maybe check that out. See some Paul Rudd starring in a Halloween movie. Uh, Necromantic is getting a Blu-ray release. If you haven't heard of this movie, uh, stay far away from it unless you want to be seriously grossed out and horrified. There's uh, some real animal killings in this movie. Oh boy, that sounds. It's all about yeah, and it's all about necrophilia. It's about this guy who. His job is to clean up dead bodies, and instead of taking them to the the morgue, he oh, takes them back to his house. Oh, or he take he just does it with one body. But yeah, it's a really fucked up movie. But it's getting a Blu-ray release. We also have Wrong Turn one through five. Can't believe they made that many of those. That's the next one you should do. Uh, I I saw part two, uh, and that was I think the end of it because I really didn't like part two. The only reason I watched it is because I met somebody that was in it. And, uh, yeah. Nope. We have Teen Wolf 1 and 2, Children of the Corn Collection, which is not all of them. It's 2 through 7. 
and that's a re-release. So that was actually previously out, but I guess they're reprinting it for Halloween. Uh, Aliens vs. Predator 1 and 2, getting a Blu-ray release, and a new Alien Anthology Blu-ray is also coming out. Man. I have no idea what that includes because the Alien Anthology is already on Blu-ray. So I don't know. <laughs> Not sure what they put in this one because I I just said, I talked about the Alien Anthology not long ago on the show and it has like fifty hours of bonus stuff. I can't yeah. imagine that they would have more to add. I mean, no. the other one adds the most mundane shit into their bonus features. So I I don't know. It sounds like good. Time. Sounds like a cash grab to me. Any blue? Yeah. Any uh, Criterion's? There are no Criterion's. All right, send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And we'll be sure and be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. Filmpulse.net. My name is Adam. My name is Kevin. And we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some spoilers for Gone Girl. Now, the big reveal in that she kind of masterminded the whole thing, that's mm-hmm. when I was that's when I got more interested in this movie. I was pretty bored actually up until that point. <laughs> and I was one, actually enjoying myself up until that point. And once they once they got to that, but but you you said you knew it it was going to happen though, right? I did. I didn't. I knew it was going to happen. I actually thought the way that he sort of made the reveal was kind of, I just, I thought it was kind of uh, sloppy. I think just you have a problem like with, with book to movie adaptations. Well, I'm a big guy. My main thing when you're doing books is, is there... I don't, I don't want you to do a straight adaptation of a book. Cause to me, that's fucking pointless. The In book, it... it already exists. I don't want to, like you sticking to the source material fact by fact what the hell was the point of that because to me that all that becomes is you saying okay i read this book and this is what i imagined when i read it i don't fucking care i have no interest in that i have my own i like i can use my own imagination reading a book well that's why they shouldn't they should just not write books anymore and just make movies because they shouldn't do that because the the (laughs) movies are always better anyway and that, but I want to see. I want to see your interpretation of the book. Well, here's a, here's an interesting thing. So, I never read the book. So, when I was watching the movie, I knew it was based on the novel, and I was watching it, and I was thinking to myself, "This has to work better than the book," because so many of the things that I found to be effective in this movie were the the reactions and the expressions on people's faces. You know, like. Ben Affleck, when he would be hit with the various things, like when his girlfriend ended up on TV first and just all of the various things and just watching his expression and trying to read him, I felt like all of that stuff really worked. Uh, Another good example is when Rosamund Pike was watching the interview when, when she's at Neil Patrick Harris's house and when she's watching the interview with Ben Affleck and just, you can just see you can see her changing and mm. how this is affecting her. And there were things like that just 
all of those moments in the movie, I was like, man, this has to work better than the book. I'm not knocking books. I was joking before, but you're knocking books. I was joking. Yeah. But this, but this is honestly one reason that I don't really read books. It's not a hobby of mine, but it's like I, that's why I always find movies to be more effective. I like you're a visual guy. Yeah, I am. I am a I'm visual a visual guy. guy too. But I I I like to read. I don't. I don't but this yeah, is this I mean, this just... isn't my type of my type of thing though. This isn't the type of stuff that I usually read. Now you were saying will read it. Now you were saying that you had a problem once it got to the Neil Patrick Harris stuff. Uh, <laughs> the one I of mean, the honestly. Well, on. when we were talking before about the visuals, uh, and I said there was nothing really memorable. Uh, the scene where she murders him, I thought yeah, was that, the that the only was pretty good. That was the only one that I will probably remember. That sequence was good. How it matched with the music, and they were doing it was kind of like a strobe thing almost. I thought that was really effective, and it was pretty shocking too. Now, did they ever go to his house and get the footage? Well, that okay, that's the so that was the the. I mean, I I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just about to say that. Are you kidding me? One of the biggest things that I one of the biggest issues I had or questions about this was. She set up this whole thing where she faked uh, sexual assault and torture from Neil Patrick Harris. And she knew that she was on camera being recorded. So she made it look like she was trying to escape and all this stuff. But I was like, what about all the other hours of footage that are probably stored on those tapes of her just hanging out, eating pudding or custard or whatever and watching Mm -hmm. TV and you know what I mean? Like, would yeah, she do that, erase everything except for those couple moments? That's what I mean. That would like, look weird. I, yeah. Then how would she even know where the footage is going to? You're right. You know or, I mean? or how to... Because that was, that was his lake house. That wasn't even his actual house. Exactly. So I would imagine that he has some backups at his house of the footage. Yeah. that To me, <laughs> that, that whole thing... Because her plan, her plan was so meticulous. It was so meticulously crafted up until that point. Up until the point where she decided not to kill herself, that everything from that point on, it was like, okay, well, because I mean, what what was she gonna do? She she had some money, but she didn't have that much money. You know what I mean? Yes, if she, it, I, what was she gonna was she gonna try to start a new life somewhere? It's gonna be hard to do that without a driver's license and social security card and yeah, a birth certificate or information about who you are. I guess I I, I was on board up until that point where she gets robbed and then has to call on Neil Patrick Harris to help her out. Cause that's what I, it just felt like a cop out to me. Like, Oh my God, I've written myself into a huge corner. How can I get out of this? Oh, how about a stalker from childhood who's super, super rich. Boom. Fixes everything. And it's just like, are you kidding me? To me, that's kind of lazy. I just thought that was lazy. I did like how it turned out where she she comes home and he has to live with her and pretend that they're still a happy couple and all that. I thought that yeah. that was really interesting and how immediately when, when they go to bed the first night and he locks the door, he just sits down in the chair and he's just like, oh my God. He's like, what the fuck? How am I going to get out of this one? Uh. Poor Ben Affleck, man. 
Because it's so funny because at first you find out that he was cheating on her before you find out what she did. Mm-hmm. So, at fr- at, so at first you're like, man, he's a fucking dick. That guy's a dick. But then the big reveal happens and you're just like, Rosamund Pike is a psychopath and she needs to be stopped. Yeah, I, and that's kind of where I have a problem with some of the writing because they there's little bits and pieces that make you think, okay, Ben Affleck is a huge dick. Like, okay, the, the cheating, the infidelity, I get that. He's definitely a dick for that. Um, when he's watching the footage of the the media reports and stuff and he's talking about how he's sick and tired of women picking him apart. So, you know, that's kind of a dick comment. You know, people don't say that. So those instances, I'm like, okay, this guy's this guy's a dick. I can, I get this. I understand what she's doing and how why she hates him and everything. But the other little <laughs> scenes where they try and make him out to be this terrible person, it's just him like playing video games one day, and then the other day she brings him a beer while he's watching the game. And it's just like, that's well, not that's not enough. Like the other the other thing that you have to remember, and I totally agree with you there. But the other thing you have to remember is all those flashbacks we saw were from her journal, which she made true. up. So yeah, that's true. So everything that happened in that journal, he said there was a there's a scene where the after the police find it, they're interviewing him, and he he confirmed some of the things. But I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of the things in that journal she made up. She even admitted that she made up the the physical abuse part. Yeah. To to make it more convincing that he could have killed her. So some of the stuff in that, that we saw in the flashbacks may not have even happened that way. But yeah, to go back to what you said, I I agree. Other than the cheating, he didn't seem like that bad of a guy. Yeah. I mean, not to downplay the cheating or anything like that. No, but it seems like she like just flat out hated him. Well, she was, I think that's the reason that there's so much resentment. Yeah. And yeah. And that's where I was like, okay, I, I'm kind of in the middle here. You know, I can see both sides, but then the scoop McNary stuff comes up and you're just like, Oh, okay. So that gets all thrown out. She's just, well, that's why I think that's why they brought the scoot McNary stuff in there to show that this isn't some kind of crime of passion that she really is. There's something wrong with her. I just, you know, I don't know. Like, I enjoyed some of the media stuff. But again, we've, we've kind of seen it. Right, and that's the thing. I we've, we've, How many times are people going to make fun of Nancy Grace? Right. And I, I was not thrilled about all of the, the media stuff. Because, again, we've seen that so many times before. We deal with it on a daily basis. I think that most intelligent people know how ridiculous the media is and how influential it can be on on people's lives. The thing that the only thing that I really took away from this that, that I found pretty thought provoking was the fact that this could literally happen to anyone and their lives could be completely ruined. You know what I mean? How he didn't do anything other than cheat on his wife. And yet his life has now been ruined, you know, and we're seeing this, this, this happens in real life where, somebody cheats on someone else or somebody does something that's not even that big of a deal. And all of a sudden the media gets a hold of it, vilifies them. And now everyone's hating them and they're forced to go off the grid and live in the woods by themselves. 
doesn't happen. They'll, they'll forget about it, and they'll forgive you within a short period of time. Even if you send a shit ton of dick pics, they don't fucking <laughs> care. They'll man, kidding me? They'll reelect you. They'll reelect you. They don't give a shit. <laughs> People, such short attention spans. That's yes. That is that. That is the one thing about this. It's, and they, I do like how they touch on that too, especially at the end when he, when they do the interview with that Nancy Grace type character, and how. Uh, he said something to her, and it was really funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're partners in crime. <laughs> Just the look on her face. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if... I think a lot of it hinges on the source material. I thought it was kind of weak. And then, to me, just his direction just felt uninspired. Hmm. Yeah, well... It's... Performances are great, and the score is amazing. The score... Yeah, My God. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? All right. Any other uh, spoilers before we end this? Spoilers. Um, I thought that the two people that played the rednecks that stole her money were really good. I really bought them as white trash people. <laughs> and I just love how the one dude had a broken arm, of course, and a cast. And the other one, and the, other, and the girl had the sore on her lip piece i just i don't understand that for someone that's like a harvard grad and everything and then does this huge meticulous well thought out framing gets fucking conned by two people you know two trailer trash well i, I mean, think that why don't you just fucking keep to yourself yeah she seems smarter than that yeah i don't think she would have been like hanging out with them and stuff I thought it was odd that she was hanging just out. Didn't, I mean, that's she, what I mean. Like, like it, she even went through the trouble of smashing her own face with a hammer. Yeah. And, and like, all this. So. And then you're going to start hanging out with your white trash neighbor? For what and reason? trust them. Well, yeah, why? Why? There was only, the only reason that exists is because she would lose her money. And then we could get to the Neil Patrick Harris, which is completely outlandish. and doesn't make any fucking sense. Just to get her back to Ben Affleck. That's the pro- that's the section I have a problem with. I could see it's that. Just, it's just too much for me. It's too ridiculous. Very yeah. I mean, thing the things had to fall into place. Yeah, like pretty, okay. pretty perfectly. But I think I, that the reason I don't that get the, out of this, the, I, I think the reason that all the most the, ridiculous thing ever. I think that it was all to show that how conniving and and sort of cunning she is. You know, she was able to adapt her master plan to. First, when she decides not to kill herself, and she then she loses her money, and then she figures out, okay, well, I can exploit this this Desi guy, and and then she figures out, okay, after she sees the interview with Ben Affleck, she decides, okay, new plan, I'm gonna kill this fucker, and then go back because he he really loves me, and that that was the other thing, like that interview, that big moment when she sees him on TV, and she has a complete change of heart because she believes that he still loves her and that's why she did all this in the first place so she decides to go back and that's what made her kill neil patrick harris and all that Mm. so i i I can see Mm. why you would have a problem with how things transpired but at the same time if we're if we're to believe that this character really is this smart and this conniving uh, that I, I think that it is within the realm of possibility that she would be able to craft a plan like this. 
I just and, and adapt it and adapt it so well. Yeah, I can understand. I the existence of Neil Patrick Harris's character to begin with is just well. That's why we'll see. That's, that's just that's kind of the, the interesting thing about this is that it's all everything is connected, right? So like the fact that Neil Patrick Harris exists is because her parents made her famous when she was young. So she she has these admirers and people that but I grew mean, up it's with not, her. It's not only that, okay, he's a stalker from, you know, first, what was it, his first girlfriend? Yeah. like that she they, completely controlled him yeah. and then broke up and he's been stalking her ever since. Oh, okay. On top of that, he's ridiculously rich. And on top of that, he just has a lake house that's... Phew, fucking flush with any right you yeah. could want okay and it's just that, like all right come on that, this is too yeah. much well like i said that whole thing i was the biggest issue i had with her staging the security camera footage yeah like I, honestly wh- why would you need to stage couldn't they have taken that all that stuff out with the security cam stuff and ba- and just left everything else in there but take out the security camera stuff and just have it be that she goes to his house, kills him, covers herself in his blood, and then ends up back at their house. Yeah, that's the, what I. Yeah, it's sort of. Why I mean, the outcome. The outcome can be the same, but you eliminate some of the just it, perfectly lined up coincidences that seem to yeah. happen. Because, like you said, you're going to go back and check that footage. That's the first thing the feds are going to do. And there's going to be a bunch of days where she's just lounging around. Yeah. And he's popping in with brand new clothes. He's giving her a tour of the house. I mean. Yeah. That's where, that's the big flaw to me. So. Uh, All right. Disappointed. 